Welcome to Locked On NBA on a Tuesday, everybody. I'm Wes Goldberg from the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors here with the host of Locked On Heat, David Ramil. And coming up, the Wizards stay alive in their first round series against the 76ers. The Jazz hold on against the Grizzlies. And can the Lakers beat the Suns without Anthony Davis? This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bradley Beal scored 27 points and Russell Westbrook put up a triple-double to lead the Wizards to a 122-114 win over the 76ers to stave off elimination and win their first game of the series. The big story, however, might end up being Joel Embiid, who exited the game at the end of the first quarter with a right knee injury and did not return to the game. As of recording this here on a Monday night, we don't know the extent of Embiid's injury. And in the post-game interviews, uh, Doc Rivers didn't have any more information. But this would clearly be a huge blow to the Sixers if he has to miss any amount of time, David. Yeah, Danny Green in his post-game presser mentioned that the team had gotten away from their identity, and clearly a big part of it is built around Embiid and his presence. And you need to look no further than the fact that Daniel Gafford, who got the start, scored 12 points, and Robin Lopez finished 8 of 11 in the paint with that patented hook shot of his for 16 points. So I think a lot of that probably due to the fact that Embiid wasn't in there to challenge either of those two players. So I, I don't... I don't know how Philadelphia is going to be able to respond. And it's such a weird injury, too, because we saw him take a, a tumble there. And it looked like at first he was reaching for his tailbone area and something, obviously, you're familiar with having seen Steph Curry suffer the similar injury earlier in the season. But Embiid uh, seemed like he hurt himself in the back. And then all of a sudden we're getting an update that he has apparently a knee injury. And on the replay, you do see him kind of take a little bit of a fall or just kind of bobble a little bit as he awkwardly lands on that right knee and of course any kind of any time that Embiid suffers any sort of injury there's always going to be a a huge concern about whether or not he's going to be able to just shrug it off or, or bounce back to some degree because well he had such a, a, a sordid history with injuries so it's going to be interesting to see what the next couple of days present as far as his uh his timetable for return it's definitely the number one thing that if you're a Sixers fan you have to watch for in, in what we're looking at in the NBA there's so many injuries that we're going to talk about obviously we'll talk about the Lakers in the third segment here but uh, as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned I mean Joel Embiid missing a certain amount of time could completely change what happens in the East because look they'll beat Washington with or without Joel Embiid right like I know Washington won they won tonight that was you know in Washington the last gasp for a a proud Wizards team that has fought so hard at the end of the year they don't want to get swept you know, they and, and so they're, this this series is going to go back to Philadelphia, and the Sixers will probably win that game. Okay, and if they don't, they'll, they'll still end up winning this series. Uh, no team has ever come back from 0-3 this way. But um, I, I, even if they do, it is very clear, uh, and this isn't breaking news by any stretch, but it's very clear that they're not gonna, they're not Brooklyn, they're not Milwaukee. They don't have an opportunity to beat those teams without Joel Embiid, and I want to kind of get into a conversation here about Ben Simmons because, you know, he was part of, um, you know, sort of this narrative on Twitter where people are saying, hey, maybe you should intentionally, or you should take him out of the game because uh, the Wizards were just intentionally fouling him. They're just being, you know, playing hack of Simmons at the end of that game. He goes 5 for 11 from the free throw line, 
and and was largely ineffective and kind of gave the Wizards their path to a win. Asked about it after the game, Doc Rivers said, hey, if, it's, if, it, if the decision is between me playing Ben Simmons, my best player, and not, I'm going to play my best player. I can't argue with that. Look, And that's not the... Uh, the intentional foul conversation is not great for radio, and it's not a conversation I'm all that interested in. Sure. But Ben Simmons did not play well. That, to me, was the big thing. And it wasn't even the missing of the free throws. I could care less about that. It's the, the 4 of 5 overall. At, Joel Embiid played 11 minutes. Ben Simmons took five field goals in that game. Uh, everything that else that he could do, the 12 rebounds, that's fine. The defense, great. That's great. But these are the playoffs, and you need to score. And if he's only giving you 13 points on five field goal attempts, that's awful. And especially on a night where you're getting you're getting more shots from Matisse Teibel. Like, he's taking six shots, and Ben Simmons is taking five. That can't happen, David. Yeah, it's just it seems like this recurring conversation, and I'm experiencing that myself now that the Heat have been eliminated from the playoffs and Bam Adebayo goes through similar growing pains, and there was this awkward – uh, exchange with a reporter who asked him what he needs to work on, and and Bam flipped the question around and said, you know, what 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 do you think I should work on? Because obviously, Adebayo, one of those players that keeps getting criticized for not being aggressive enough as a scorer, and similar to Simmons, great defender, great playmaker, not exactly a confident scorer that you can rely on. And I I think those kinds of issues get magnified because somebody needs to step up. And and to Doc's point. You have to play Simmons because who else is he going to play in his stead? If he doesn't play Simmons, I don't know that there's any other option who's going to be willing to step up. But to your point, Simmons didn't step up either. And so that's kind of more of an indictment on what he's able to provide for you. I mean, can you just rely on him being a complimentary player? Sure, if, if you build around him at, you know, with that kind of understanding that he is merely a complimentary player and not mm-hmm. the kind of guy who can take you to the promised land. And after the game, talk, Doc Rivers was talking about Tobias Harris, maybe he over-dribbled too much. I watched that game. He had to over-dribble just to get anything done. It, he, he had 21 points on 8 for 24 shooting, 1 for 5 from 3-point range to go along with 13 rebounds, 5 assists, a couple great. turnovers. It wasn't efficient at all, but it was the only thing that the Sixers had that entire game. Like Ben Simmons, I talk about the scoring, and I, that, that's a dramatic issue, but he, only, he also only had 3 assists, so it wasn't creating for other people. And we've seen... Ben Simmons-led teams without Joel Embiid in the past. You mentioned Embiid's injury history. There's been a lot of time with Simmons without Embiid, and you see these up-tempo teams that that thrive in space and all these things, and, and you're like, wow, this would be the blueprint if Joel Embiid weren't clogging the lane for Ben Simmons. Tonight, the Sixers had seven fast-break points. The Wizards had 21, and everything was right there for Ben Simmons to sort of take over that way, and he didn't. And look, I don't mean to make too much out of one game, but these are the playoffs. And Ben Simmons has not played well in the playoffs versus Joel Embiid, who has been a very good playoff performer in his career so far. Uh, it, it's This is not a Doc Rivers coaching decision. It has nothing to do with intentional fouls at the end. I don't... I am not interested in any of those conversations. To me, this is Ben Simmons. Hey, man, you're the best player on this team ostensibly left when Joel Embiid is hurt. You need to go act like it and, and just... Time after time, it feels like he doesn't. And this was maybe the most glaring of any of those performances that were disappointing. Yeah, and, and I think it's the five field goal attempts that's really the biggest indictment there. It's it the is. fact that he just wasn't aggressive at all, wasn't looking to get a shot. And I was trying to look at it every time the ball was swung his way, why he was passing the ball up. And it's not like 
Washington is some kind of defensive powerhouse that's clogging the lane or anything like that. Yeah, they had a big body in there with Gafford or Lopez, but for the most part, that lane was pretty wide open. And it was open early on when Simmons was there playing off of Embiid, but then all of a sudden Embiid out of the game. And you, you figure maybe, to your point though, maybe Doc should have surrounded him with the kind of shooters that might have been able to space the floor a little bit to let him get the kind of room he needs to. It's not that he didn't. Like, he was out there with Seth Curry. He was out there with Danny Green. Right. He was out there with Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey had a nice game, two for three uh, from three-point range. He was out there for a little bit uh, together. And But to your point, like, uh, Scott Brooks just put Daniel Gafford on Ben Simmons. They dared him to shoot. Right. They were literally daring, like, inviting him. And maybe Ben Simmons shouldn't be taking threes. We all agree on that. But you can't get – and look, I understand that Gafford is the Twitter, you know, dar, the darling of NBA Twitter right now. But you can't get by Daniel Gafford. You're Ben Simmons. You're a guy who wants to be an all-star, an all-NBA player. You can't get by Daniel Gafford. You can't get by Robin Lopez. You can't get by these, these centers who they're putting on you. It's uh, – to me, it's unacceptable. Uh, and, especially, and, and to go back to the field goal attempts, Joel Embiid had six field goal attempts in 11 minutes. He was out of the game by the end of the first quarter. He sure. ended up with more field goal attempts than Ben Simmons. I already mentioned Matisse Teibel taking more field goal attempts. That's ridiculous. Tyrese Maxey, a rookie, seemed more up to the task of that moment, going 6 for 12 overall, taking more than twice as many shots as Ben Simmons. George Hill. George Hill, yeah. <laughs> Furkan Korkmaz had one fewer field goal attempt. Shake Milton. Played seven minutes, had one more field goal attempt than Ben Simmons did now, off the bench. It's, we, we should it's note, however, Simmons did have Simmons did get into foul trouble. He did have five fouls, and I, I've seen a lot of the Sixers apologists make that an excuse. But I don't know. That's letting him off the hook. The reality is, it just in the minutes that he does play, he needs to find a way to be aggressive. And I don't think, even given his style of play, going downhill looking for contact, that he's going to get called for those fouls. He gets no. called for those fouls in the defensive end, not on the offensive end. He needs to be able to use his size and speed in order to create shot opportunities for himself and others. And he's just not capable of doing that. Uh, it doesn't look good if Joel Embiid has to miss extended time. I think you and I agree, even with all of the things that we're talking about and the shortcomings from Ben Simmons in this game, he probably will bounce back in this next game. Philadelphia will probably take care of business, business against Washington back on their home floor uh, later this week um, to close out the series. But if Joel Embiid has to miss time going into next series where they'd play the winner of, the, of uh, Knicks Atlanta right now, Atlanta uh, winning that series 3-1 right now, Look, if you don't have Joel Embiid, even maybe not even for the first couple of games, yeah. that could swing a series, uh, yeah. and that would be a, a pretty dramatic upset. And that, well, and an upset like that, injuries or no, whatever excuse you want to write off, could lead to some offseason changes. Yeah, look, and, and two points I'll make here uh, compared to Milwaukee and Brooklyn, who both look clearly pretty dominant, and as opposed to Philadelphia being exposed somewhat faultily. You know, I, I just I think it's pretty interesting there that they see themselves as a legitimate title contender, and then on a night when they can go out and prove it against a team like the Washington Wizards. And look, you made the point before about the Wizards having a lot of energy, and you know they have a lot of pride with with veterans like Westbrook and Beal. But they weren't the factor there. It was other guys, the role players that really stepped up mostly for Washington. Philadelphia needs to find a way to close it. You make all these changes in the offseason. You bring in Rivers. This is your opportunity here. You kind of blow it. And if you're going to establish yourself as one of the top three teams in the Eastern Conference compared to Brooklyn and Milwaukee, this isn't a good showing for you. And then another point that I'll make is that I just it's an interesting conversation because now a lot of the, the talk about uh, Miami and the Lakers and teams like Boston and stuff like that is how they succeeded in the bubble last year. And I was talking about this on, on Lock on Heat earlier about how 
you know, every team takes advantage of injury in order to capitalize on their title. Like, no title is, is free of any kind of, you know, luck being a factor. That's just a reality every time you win a title is you have to be able to get some kind of luck in your favor or for those teams that don't, you know, or, or suffer some kind of injury like Golden State or others. It's just always a factor. And for Philadelphia, if you're a, a, a title contender, you have to find a way to persevere despite whatever, you know, uh, uh, obstructions or obstacles might be in your way. They had enough to get it done, and they didn't. Uh, they should get it done later this week. Uh, coming up, why even after a loss, we should be looking out for the Memphis Grizzlies. But first, David, tell the listeners about Locker Room. Well, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start or join conversations about the league or why Ben Simmons isn't an all-star. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, it's changing the way we talk about sports. And don't forget to go to rockauto.com if you're looking for parts for your car or truck. Look, you go into an auto parts store, you talk to somebody behind a the counter, they'll look up the parts that they have in their warehouse and their computer. Why bother going through that when you've got access to computers within your pocket or at home? You can access rockauto.com, a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on the easy-to-use website and get the parts delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or car dealership when rockauto.com's low prices are the same for everybody? So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, then go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us, and write the phrase, locked on, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. The Utah Jazz beat the Memphis Grizzlies 120 to 113 behind 30 points from Donovan Mitchell on 8 for 22 shooting to go along with 8 assists. Another 17 points, 8 rebounds from Rudy Gobert uh, and 24 points for Jordan Clarkson off the bench and I know that Utah won and won this game and win and will win this series David but I I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the Grizzlies because I love watching this Memphis team I understand that they lost but this might be the last chance that you and I at least have an an opportunity to talk about the Grizzlies because we expect the Jazz to keep on uh, playing I love watching this Memphis team they are so competitive and when you, you hear players, especially young teams, talk about how we're not afraid of this team or that team or whatever, and, and, it, and a lot of it is just lip service, a lot of it is just sort of hyping yourself up and all that stuff, I believe it with this Grizzlies team. They go out there. They don't care that the Jazz are the number one seed. They don't care that the Jazz go 10 deep and that they're huge and they have the best record in the NBA. They don't care about any of that stuff. They don't care that they don't have any playoff experience. They went out there. They're not afraid. They're going right at Rudy Gobert, challenging him every single time down the floor. You've got Ja Morant scoring 23 points in 43 minutes, just doing ridiculous things like 
between the legs passes and going right at Rudy Gobert and pick and roll on on, on multiple possessions in a row. He just he doesn't care. This team plays uh, so free. I don't know if it's um, maybe it is that they're just unafraid, and maybe it is confidence. Maybe it is this, this idea that you're playing with house money a little yeah. bit, right? Because you're the eighth seed and nobody expected you to be here in the first place. I don't. Whatever the reason is, I love watching this team. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I get the feeling that I don't know that they're necessarily counting themselves out, but I don't know, like you said, that they're, they are playing with house money, that they don't really have to worry about it. Like, whatever they accomplish is already a feat in and of itself. They made the playoffs. They were able to eliminate Golden State to get here. They're showing that they can at least hang. Uh, every game has been competitive, even if they haven't managed to win more than one. But at the same time, it's also a learning experience. There, there are eyes on the future, and I think you get this kind of experience. Like you don't want to pass up opportunities like this. Lord knows we've seen plenty of experiences or you know examples in the past where a team might make the playoff, and then you never know what could happen. Yeah, an injury, a player gets traded, and you know things of that sort. Maybe a player leaves in free agency, and all of a sudden, what looked like a bright open window gets shut down a lot more quickly, and and you know that you expected it to. So you never want to blow these kind of opportunities. But I feel like they're they're. You know, looking to make the most, showing that they can compete, that they can hang with these better teams, with a number one seed, a team that looked dominant all regular season long in Utah, and they're still showing a, a pretty impressive effort altogether. So I, I think it's absolutely a fun team to watch. You like the way that, that Morant and Brooks attack the basket continuously. They just have this con- continuous energy there. But look, we, we would be remiss in not pointing out the fact that Utah – responded to every time that Memphis made something, uh, made a little run, and they always managed to answer with a run of their own. Guys like Jordan Clarkson stepping up in the third, Mike Conley in the fourth hitting big shots, Donovan Mitchell, of course, and even Gobert getting a couple big plays. Uh, uh, Bogdanovich hitting a big three from the corner towards the end of the game. So they they showed why they're the number one seed, but you also have to credit Memphis for putting up a hell of an effort. Uh, you need these kinds of series when you're a young team that is building and trying to build towards something, trying to right. obviously become sort of uh, some sort of title contender within the near future. You're absolutely right. Utah's the better team. They deserve to win. They responded every time Memphis made a push. And at, at the end of the day, it was the same things that, you know, tend to sink the Grizzlies that sunk them in this game. They went 10 for 35 from three-point range, 29% overall from three-point range. The Jazz did what they did so well this year, and they shot the three really well. They shot... You know, they made 50%. They made half of their threes tonight. That was the difference in the game. It's not rocket science, right? You had Gobert and Valanchunas going, you know, at each other all night. You had uh, the rebounding advantage. Base, or the rebounding margin was tied, both teams. Seven, exactly tied. Seven offensive rebounds for both teams. 35 defensive rebounds for both teams. Uh, I thought the ball movement was good on both sides. I thought that both teams basically played the same way. In many ways, Memphis is sort of like a baby Utah Right, because they have their lead guards, they get uh, opposing big men involved in pick and roll actions, and they challenge them head to head in those situations, and they dominate in the paint. And you know, in the case of the Jazz, what has helped them turn the corner over the last few years is getting those three-point shooters, adding the Bogdanoviches and the Mike Conleys and right. and, and the Yangs and Clarksons and Ingles and all that stuff. Where Memphis is still very much looking for those pieces, but they have pieces that you could build around in John Morant, Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson Jr., you love some of the other things, like D'Anthony Melton coming off the bench Absolutely. for 15 points in the fourth quarter, leading that huge run, and still, you know, with the, three, the lack of three-point shooting, the lack of creation when, when Ja is off the floor, they still go through, like, these three- or four-minute scoreless spells, but whatever, that's a young team. What 
they're going to lose this series. They probably won't win another game in this series. But that is almost irrelevant. To me, what is important for Memphis is that they are coming out and they are proving that they can hang and that they can and that John Morant in particular is a guy who elevates his game in the playoffs and a guy like Dylan Brooks is a guy who elevates his game in the playoffs. Jaron Jackson Jr. I understand he was out for most of the season with an injury, but he's been he's not played better than he is right now this season. That stuff is important and you got and you kind of look back historically to teams that eventually make those leaps. You have to prove it to yourself that you could do it in the postseason, right? And I think back to those. That, that the Warriors-Spurs series in 2013 where everybody's like, oh, man, this Steph guy and Clay and Draymond, these guys can play, right? And the year after they play the Clippers, these guys can play. And then in a couple of years, they go and win the championship, right? Yeah. Like, and so this is this is going to be a very formative series, I think, for Memphis. Yeah, and, and even with that eye in the future, I, I think it's not a particularly hot take to say that they're probably a player or two away, just to kind of show sure, up. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and but this is the kind of series that shows players around the league that this might be the franchise that I'd want to play for. You've got a young coach. You've got a young core there. You've got an exciting team that plays at a fast pace. There's already a buzz about how the, the you know their coach connects with their players. you get got a guy like Morant there, knowing that you're going to play alongside him. Maybe for a team like Memphis, a franchise that hasn't historically been able to lure free agents, this is as important as anything else about their future, being able to show out to other players around the league that this is a team and a franchise and a coaching staff that you want to be a part of because you know that you're probably going to be able to compete for a title at some point within the next two or three years. That was a fun game, too. I mean, from a, between a one seed and an eight seed, you're not supposed to have this much fun watching a first-round series. Yeah. I did. I've loved this series. Uh, Utah looks really, really good. They're gonna be they're like I said, they're gonna win this series. They're gonna probably go far into the playoffs and in the postseason. I just wanted to take this opportunity to talk about Memphis because I don't think that you and I, based on how these weeks are laid out and these games are laid out, are gonna have another opportunity to talk about the Grizzlies. I thought it was important. Coming up, we'll take a look at tonight's playoff games next. This is locked on NBA. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, the NHL, and of course, all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. All right, let's look ahead to tonight's game. We've got three games tonight to break down, uh, David. Let's start on the East Coast. Boston at Brooklyn. The Nets lead this series 3-1. Um, do the Nets get it done tonight, David? Well, do you think? I mean, so long as there are no logos that are going to get stepped on, I guess uh, that's probably <laughs> important to point out. Uh, listen, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see that Boston has any chance of, of being able to bounce back. Uh, they, they've done what they possibly could, but this is a team that, I, I mean, I'm, we're, I think we're both pleasantly surprised that they were able to even make it to the playoffs, uh, that they were able to survive the play-in tournament, and that they were actually able to win one game. I, I think. You can look at Brooklyn and saying that maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit, that they didn't take Boston as seriously as they probably should have. But I think the series is probably over tonight. I can't imagine any way that Boston's able to, you know, to 
knock off the Nets at home, especially when there's so much at stake. There's enough veteran leadership on that roster, not to mention potent talent when it comes to offense, that can just say, look, we don't want to – to, to use the phrase that Yanis uh, Antetokounmpo used against Miami, they don't want to play with their food. They don't want to give them a chance of coming back. Um, look, it, it, I, I talked about this last week with you. Uh, I thought that the best thing that could probably happen to Brooklyn in the series is to lose a game to Boston and just kind of yeah. a wake up, Humble right? Like, hey, these are the playoffs. Yeah, and, 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 you know, don't take these games for granted. Don't play with your food, right? Because that's what happened to the Bucks last year, and they ended up getting beaten five games. So... Um, no, I think Brooklyn will win tonight. They'll take care of business. Uh, I just I don't think the Celtics have the players to get it done, and, and the Nets are just clearly the, the better team. And that's going to set us up for a huge showcase series in the second round between the Nets and the Bucks. Who, if if like I said, if Embiid has to miss time, this could be the Eastern Conference Finals, basically, right? It, between between Milwaukee. And Brooklyn, uh, not to not to look too far ahead and not take Boston any ser- uh, seriously enough, but um, I don't care about that, and I'm, I care more about the Nets and the Bucks. Who do you like? Just in a brief, in a, just a brief look ahead. I'm not going to hold you to this, but uh, what do you? Maybe not who do you like. I don't want predictions at this point, but what would you be looking for in that matchup? You know, ha- having just seen what the Bucks can do, I, I'm full, fully prepared to give them all the credit for, for being a very dominant team, for looking great defensively, for being just good enough offensively to clearly blow out Miami. Uh, you know, a team that also, I think, looked like they were just ready to call it a, a day after a very, very long 18 months, you know, where they were trying to fight, you know, they were trying to squeeze two seasons into that short, compressed amount of time. Uh, that's something you can't discount, but at the same time, Milwaukee looks really good. But Brooklyn's offense is so potent, and as good as as good as Milwaukee's defense was against Miami, you're, they're not facing James Harden, uh, you know, Kevin Durant, and and Kyrie Irving. There, you know, they, they're they're those those three players can absolutely do just enough to score. Where Milwaukee's defense, it doesn't matter how good it is, they'll find a way to beat them. And I think Brooklyn has a pretty good chance. So that, I mean, I'm not. Just shy of a prediction, I'll say that Brooklyn is probably has the edge over Milwaukee at this point. I don't know where I would fall on that yet. Uh, you're probably right. The fact that my this was Miami limping into the playoffs, very very exhausted, probably wasn't putting up the most interference against the Bucks, and certainly not what we expected to see, even from a Heat team like that. You said you know had been basically got like two weeks off over the last two years. Uh, but this Bucks team is so interesting to me because what they did, I think a lot of people looked back to the last year's series between Milwaukee and Miami and what can, what can Milwaukee learn from that series to better themselves for this one. Uh, I think that Milwaukee basically took the blueprint from what the Lakers did in the NBA Finals to Miami. And I think they looked at that more than what they even probably did last year because now all of a sudden you're seeing a Bucks team that hunts out mismatches. And I think that that's interesting. The way that they executed against Miami sets up well for what they're going to need to do against Brooklyn. Because is Brooklyn's big three better between Durant, Harden, and Kyrie? Absolutely. But now you've got a guy in Giannis who can guard Durant. You've got a guy in Drew Holiday who can guard Harden or Kyrie. Middleton can take Harden in the post and do these things. So, um, I, I, again, the, the Brooklyn big three is better, but I wonder if Milwaukee has enough defense and, and have executed on a level that um, will be able to score enough and just hang with, Mil- hang with Brooklyn for most of the game, even though they don't have the offensive firepower that Brooklyn has. Uh, but defensively, maybe that's the team 
that can get it done for those four or five important possessions in the fourth quarter. I honestly have no idea if this is the series that we're about to get, and, and we all think it, this is the one we are. It about should to be get. entertaining, and absolutely, I have no probably, idea who I would pick. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably go like a seven-game series too. Like, I mean, a lot of back and forth there. I could see uh, a, a lot. It's a, again two potent offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee, a much better team defensively, but I, I, I just I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be fun, uh, and then yeah. as to your point, it's probably going to define the Eastern Conference race more clearly than any other matchup in the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's move on to our next series. That's actually happening uh, for sure. <laughs> Portland at Denver. This series is split to two. Uh, last week I was on here, David, writing off the Trailblazers, saying that their defense stinks and they got no chance. Uh, they even up the series. Um, we need to look at how Denver. I, I don't look. I don't think it's a guarantee that the Nuggets come out of the series anymore. I will backtrack on what I said last week, but for Denver to to take this series. I think it comes down to how do they generate offense when Nikola Jokic is not in the game, right? Because Portland, they are, they did a smart thing all season long by staggering Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And the Norman Powell acquisition is, has been tremendously helpful for them because it gets you get one other playmaker on the floor almost right. at all times, right? But um, Dame and CJ, one of them are going to run that offense. The, the Nuggets don't have that, right? Jokic comes out of the game. And they're sort of just trying to figure out what they can get out of Monty Morris and, and Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon and just these other guys. And, and, I, and Michael Porter Jr. is the name that I want to focus on because it feels to me like he has to be better, right? He needs to take that leap. And Jamal Murray being out is, is, is why he is thrust into this position. It's unfair. He's probably not ready for that. But if the Nuggets are going to make any sort of run here, he needs to kind of take that leap that, you know, he probably wasn't on schedule to take in the first place. But, you know, this is his opportunity. Well, you know, this is where that that contrast uh, presents itself compared to a team like Memphis. They they can afford to wait a little bit uh, because mm-hmm. they're a younger team because they they don't have the same window because they don't have an MVP on their roster like Nikola Jokic. Their title was a win now one, and unfortunately, the Murray injury probably cha- and you know damages their chances of doing that this year certainly and maybe even next year as well. So. How do they redefine themselves now? And that's been the question for months. So this isn't anything new. Ever since the Murray injury, we knew that there was going to be a challenge there for them to find a new identity, find a way to step up, and to be able to maximize this opportunity. Because, again, you don't get a lot of these. And and the window is different for Denver than it is for a team like Memphis. And somebody has to step up. And whether it's Porter Jr. or not, somebody has to be able to figure it out. And that's, that's where it kind of shifts a little bit, right? Because these players have to find a way to contribute because you can't rely completely on Jokic as good as he is, as much an MV, a deserving MVP, well, pro, you know, probable MVP, uh, MVP winner as he's likely to be. Somebody else needs to be able to complement that offense in order to keep them going yeah. or else they're going to wind up getting eliminated a lot more quickly than they expected to. I don't think anybody expects the Nuggets to win the championship this year. But even with and the Jamal Murray thing is a is it's an excuse and it's a good excuse. I mean yeah. that's why like that's why they're not going to win the championship this year probably. You know, um, but um, losing in the first round would still be disappointing. With, with the excuse understood and everything, like losing in the first round would still be a disappointment. Uh, this could be an opportunity. For, you know, the necessity is the mother invention type deal where, uh, you know, if, if now that Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, by the way, are thrust into a spotlight uh, and with more responsibility than they otherwise would have had had Jamal Murray been healthy, maybe this is a chance for them to 
sort of level up faster than we expected. And for Aaron Gordon to sort of become that player that the Magic had hoped he could become within this, the Denver scheme or whatever it might be. And then next year when Jamal Murray is healthy, and look, he'll be, he'll be missing most of the regular season, but by the postseason, these guys will be more ready than they would have otherwise been had Jamal Murray been healthy this postseason. That, that's probably the best case scenario for Denver, but you got to at least get out of the first round first. All right, final series, Lakers at Phoenix. This series is tied at 2-2. Uh, the big story here, Anthony Davis. Uh, questionable for Game 5 with a groin injury. According to ESPN, there is, quote, pessimism surrounding Davis's availability. His return for Game 6 is possible. Uh, but even without Anthony Davis this year, the Lakers are 11-7 and in games without Anthony Davis where LeBron James has been available. So they have experience playing without Anthony Davis while also having LeBron available. Uh, can the Lakers win this series if Anthony Davis misses this game, the next two games, the rest of the series? Um, can they do it without him? Yeah, I think there's still enough questions about the rest of Phoenix's roster, especially with Chris Paul dealing with injury, whether or not they're going to be able to step up. I mean, there have been lingering questions about Jay Crowder, about DeAndre Ayton, about everybody else, even Booker himself, as good as he is, uh, not necessarily always the kind of consistent, reliable threat, especially down the stretch that you'd want, which is why a guy like Paul becomes so important. And unfortunately, because of injury, not nearly as effective as he should be. So I think Los Angeles can certainly win the series, but I think it's a lot less likely than they will. And, and, you know, again, the same point goes on that the teams that were in the finals last year, as far as the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals, all dealing with a number of injuries. And I think it just goes to show that that short offseason was probably not in the best interest for those four teams. But that, you know, allows other teams to step up, a team like Phoenix to get an opportunity and take advantage of uh, – that the kind of injury and the, the limitations that are built into a, a season as compressed and strange as this one. Um, the Lakers can win this series without Anthony Davis. I don't love their chances. Chris Paul looks healthier than he did a couple of games ago. He looked better uh, in game four than he did in game three uh, where he couldn't finish the game. But sure. um, LeBron, we still don't know what his health is. I mean, just because he's out there doesn't mean he's 100%, and according to him, he'll never be 100% again. Andre so, Drummond game, that's what, that's what you're counting on, right? Well, if you're a Lakers fan and you've seen Markeith Morris tweeting, hey, this is my big opportunity, I don't think you're feeling super great about that, right? Like yeah. that, And now you're asking Kyle Kuzma to kind of you know reprise his role as a score-first player uh, with Anthony Davis out. Because uh, the bottom line is when Anthony Davis plays well, and LeBron is basically always pretty consistent for the most part. Uh, when Anthony Davis plays well, the Lakers win. And when Anthony Davis wasn't playing well this series, the Lakers lost. And so you need to just get other guys basically around LeBron to step up. Well, who's going to be that second guy if not Anthony Davis? If he's not available uh, or even playing well when he is available, can you get more from Kuzma? Can you get more from Dennis Schroeder? Can you get something from Andre Drummond that you weren't that you haven't really been getting? Montrezl Harrell, something like that. Um all these guys now are going to have an opportunity uh, with Anthony Davis. Probably not. Sound, it doesn't sound like right now he's going to be playing in Game 5. Even if they lose Game 5, it's a 3-2 series. It's still anybody's series. Uh, do, you, do you know who yeah. was the, the second leading scorer behind LeBron in Game 4? Was it For Los Angeles? It, it was Marcus Gasol with the 12 points. So, I mean, that's... Never what they expected. I mean, this is a guy who was basically out of the lineup and not really playing much over the last couple of months of the season, and now all of a sudden thrust into a much bigger role. But look, they this was the talk about this team in the offseason, right? They made all these acquisitions. They made all these changes. It hasn't worked out exactly what they wanted. And sure, you can only go as far as your superstars will take you. 
But you don't have that choice anymore. You've got to be able to step up. And a guy like Gasol at least has the experience. He understands what's going to be asked of him. And maybe he'll find a way to step up just enough to be able to eke out a victory here, give a chance for AD to bounce back from injury. And they still have that LeBron guy who... He's boy, not wouldn't bad. It be, <laughs> wouldn't it be great timing for the narrative that he's just got in his mind, always churning to Anthony Davis goes down for whatever, a game or two, and all of a sudden he breaks out and becomes, and he looks healthy all of a sudden and just sort of blossoms back and into, you know, super unstoppable postseason LeBron right in front of us, just as Kawhi is sort of ascending back to his uh, MVP level form and all these things. And, and he'd be like, yeah, you know what, guys, I'm back. You know, just pulls a John Wick, and then that's it. Um, all right. Those are the three games tonight. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. We'll be back here next Tuesday. In the meantime, you can find me over at Locked On Warriors. David is over at Locked On Heat. Now get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the new Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get, you get your podcasts. This will do it for Locked On NBA. Thanks for listening.